Savage. What's going on, Savages? Welcome to another episode of the Savage Snowflake Podcast with me, Jeff Leach. Your friend, your lover. Wait, are we? Are we there yet? Maybe we're boyfriend and girlfriend already. I'm definitely your parent. I'm your daddy. I could be your mother. I could be an auntie who comes over and gets a little white wine drunk in the afternoon on a Saturday at a barbecue. And everyone's like, oh no, Auntie Jeff's like getting a left boob out. And I'm like, leave me alone. I'm divorced. This is who I am now. I'm that guy. And you guys are the wonderful listeners who tune in every single week to the Savage Snowflake Podcast. So first of all, thank you. I love you very much. If you are listening to us on iTunes or on SoundCloud or Spotify or Google Play, do me a favor. It will cost you zero cents to do it. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and also leave us a little review. If you are enjoying the podcast, if you have been enjoying all the different guests that I've brought on, do me a favor, leave a little review, give it five stars. That makes such a massive difference to the charts. It puts us in front of the eyes of more listeners, and I'd be very grateful to you. We're also available on YouTube as well. Every single episode is in video format, so if you haven't checked that out, make sure you go to youtube.com slash Jeff Leach TV and hit that subscribe and that notification bell as well and then it will let you know all about new episodes. Thank you very much to all of the uh, wonderful supporters at patreon.com slash savage snowflake. If you are an earning individual, maybe you got a job, maybe you got a wealthy parents, maybe you're just a criminal and you're stealing money from the poor and needy. Do me a favor, pass some of that love back to me at patreon.com slash savage snowflake. You can donate as little as $1 a month and you'll get various shout outs. You might get your face up here like my boy Dan TB. Uh, if you donate a little bit more money, I'll also write your postcards every month, all sorts of sweet deals. So go and check that out. And finally, thank you very much to our sponsors, manscaped.com, the finest purveyors of man trimming equipment. I use the lawnmower 2.0 to take my uh, man tough downstairs out to a smooth town every single week. I do it maybe every two weeks, actually. Trim the old bull hair, keep my bad boys smooth and clean. If you want to do that for your loved one, for your partner, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, maybe you're banging a cousin. I don't care. I'm not trying to judge you. I just want you to save 20% off at man manscaped.com use code savage you get 20% off free shipping on all orders and a lovely free leather travel bag worth 50 bucks and of course thank you to boundless tech as well the finest purveyors of vaping technology if you love a little smoke maybe you live in california on the west coast over where i am or in new york city where it's finally legal and you like to smoke flour or resin distillate or isolate check out all of their wonderful products you've got the turp pen it's only 30 bucks right now and it's an amazing thin little contraption with incredible battery life that means you can smoke resin distillate etc etc uh, very easily and on the go also code savage over there will save you a whopping 25 percent off every order so make sure you check them out bndlstech.com that's my phone signalling that I have a guest on the podcast today. Hello, guest. How are you? Hello. That's a, what a what a neat little link there. Everyone likes my intros because yeah. they're like, oh, he's like legitimately a professional host. It's like he you've done do that this. before, rather than just fumbling through the way I've I do it when I'm hosting. Eighty-eight stuff. times, I want to say now. I think this will be the eighty-eighth time. I'm not sure what episode number we're on. I think it's eighty-eight. Uh, um, well, you say I- that, but like we. We have, I think, the podcast I do has maybe four times as many episodes and we're a shambles still, so... You can get there. I can teach you. Whatever you need to do for that eloquence. And we don't, we've never had anything that shaves our balls, either. Well, not yet. Not I, can, single... I can give you one. I'll give you a, a lawnmower 2.0. I've got some to give to guests. I'll give you one to take away. All have right. you got a hairy tuft downstairs? I mean, uh, yeah, I'm... F- 
My family's from the Middle East. I'm going to revolutionise you and your lovely lady's sex life. I won't mention it either. I'll just come back from a podcast with shaved balls and just go, how was the podcast? That's what we're going to do halfway through. That's how we're going to... It's going to be a second point in advertising. I should introduce you. Hello. Um, So this is Matt Kirshen, a wonderful comedian, a writer, a performer. He's been over here in the US. Obviously, you can hear by the accent. He is an expat. He's a Brit, just like me. He's a real Brit. He's like one of the people that when you think British, you think, oh, Matt Kirshen's a lovely British boy, isn't he? Um, Not only has he written for the Jim Jeffries show he also wrote on the last season of arrested development uh, on top of that he was in last comic standing one of the finalists in that uh, and he's been performing all over the country running set list shows doing all sorts of big tv on true tv you've been on a number of those comedy knockout right you were on I that was, i wrote well. on that too that was a little fun gig he's working he's a i'm working getting by boy. and yeah. we just spent a week together in vegas it was pretty fucking beautiful showing the people of the comedy cellar in vegas the two different types of english guy well, well <laughs> but we almost became one Yep. A little bit. I'm normally the gregarious rock and roll and yeah, let's get drunk and then get naked and dance on the tables. And you're normally like, well, I mean, we could also go and check out a museum. But this trip, whilst you did do some museums and I did a little bit of dancing with my shirt off, I was pretty placid and chill. You were pretty chill. And yeah. you were a lot more rock and roll than I was expecting, Matt. Well, having said that, you did take us to... So I went with you to your friend's compound, your, your, the, the sort of... Ferguson's downtown exactly yeah, the Vegas. sort of burnery creatory compound and we went down there after a show in a big party bus and I was like oh okay what have I got myself in for and then I spent most of the night playing board games yeah so that shows but, but which by the way was fine that's it what I great. did as well yeah it was um I learned how to play go from a very nice venture capitalist a venture capitalist An Alex investor. Alex Hugh yeah lovely Alex guy Hugh. lovely dude lovely smart guy who Whipped me at a board game I'd not played before, but Bro, I very I pl- much enjoyed I playing it. I played chess, and you kicked my ass at chess, and I feel like uh, that's the level. That's where I'm at right now. I'm in the place in life at 35 where I want to take psychedelic drugs, which we <laughs> didn't do that night. But I want no. to take like mushrooms, but then play chess with people on mushrooms. Right? Do you know what I mean? Like I want it to be rock and roll, but I also don't want to wake up with a hangover or feeling bad about myself, and oh, I want to expand my mind. One expand it, but calm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and but, I think you're in a similar place. I like, I yeah, I, I don't mind the occasional heavy night, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm I'm in my late thirties, and it's just yeah, you get to a point where you know, I I did, I spent my twenties in a comedy party house. Okay, I where was it? Wait, but is this back in the UK or out here? Yeah, in the UK, I I lived with from when I was twenty three. I moved into there was this sort of semi-infamous house of is comics. Is this the one where Wayne Deacon lived for many years? Yeah, he, he was towards the end. In the, he shit himself there in the bathroom and literally just shit everywhere. I, he was telling me a story about that. I after wasn't, fucking a chick, he shit himself after having sex with a girl and then couldn't go back in the bedroom. I wasn't there for that occasion, but I don't doubt it for a second. But you could smell it. Because there, there was a long period of time around that point that I still had a room in that house, but I was mostly over in America. So I think I missed out on some of that. But there was I one of... I can't live with comedians, man. How did <laughs> was... you do that shit? It was, it was a mess. It was messy. Uh, but also it was probably the most creative and fun time of my life. Really? Yeah, because I was living with these brilliant people who were hilarious. We'd stay up till four in the morning making each other laugh constantly. Yeah. We... Stuff came out of it. Like, I, we... we wrote a whole like a Radio 4 sketch show that almost entirely started with nonsense that... Like it started from four o'clock, four in the morning nonsense in the house. Who were you living with then? Who was it? Who was so in the house at, at the that beginning time? around that time? There was Nick Doody, Carrie Marks, okay. Phil Nickel, um, 
And then where's Phil from? He's is he UK as well? Well, he's he has Scottish uh, parents and was born in Scotland, but he grew up in Toronto. Right. Okay. Because I knew he was like had a foreign. Yeah. So he's Canadian, but also British. British. Yeah. Um. And then who else was in the house? Paul Byrne, who's Ed's younger brother. Right, right, right. Uh, Kirsty, who became Nick's wife. I feel like if, you're, but if th- you're in the UK, you'll know a lot of these names from the world of comedy. Oh, yeah. And then later on, like Henning Venn moved in. Seymour Mace was there for a bit. Um, uh, Nick Coppin was there for a bit. Like, just, Dude, I just remember going over there once. Yep. Well, actually, I went over there more than once, but I remember going there once for a, an after party. Uh-huh. And it was a lot of fun, but it was fucking disgusting. <laughs> Like, I've never walked into a home and felt instantaneously itchy and like I need a shower. You get over it. Oh, I can't. You've seen my home. I'm very neat and I'm a little OCD. Yeah, I'm definitely... You reach a point where I then... When I came over here, I was subletting from a friend for a while and had his spare room. And then eventually you reached a point where you're like... I need a place in my own. I'm a grown adult. I need to, I need I'm to a grown not up. clean someone else's piss stains off and I, the toilet And I also seat. need to just either live by myself or I now live with my girlfriend. So yeah. I, I either live by myself or with a partner. I couldn't... Yeah, I, you, I think you reach a point where you grew out of cohabitation. Yeah, you went through... But you also went through... Living in a house with a bunch of comedians yeah. is... Beep! Is like the uh, best training to be comfortable living with anyone. Yeah, because they're notoriously loud, drunk, drugged up, coming in late, bringing people back at all hours. Well, there was definitely and a period. No one washes up. There was definitely a period as well where, like, actually Wayne, for all his shitting himself, so what, which I hadn't heard before, but he was actually a bit of a neat freak. Like, he, oh, really? he actually was a sort of t- serial tidy. Except when it comes to his own anus. If I need. I've done know. all the washing up, mate. Yeah, but you also took a shit on the glass coffee maybe table. Maybe he overcleaned. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he hadn't let it drain. I was trying to balance it out, mate. Do you was... know what I mean? But yeah, there were. Um... Wayne Deakin ordered a prostitute once on my birthday. For himself or for you? For himself, okay. yeah. Like, <laughs> like happy we, birthday, Jeff! I got myself. No, I remember. I was like, um, he 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 ordered like um he ordered he, he turned up to my birthday party does, with does a lot mind, of cocaine. Does he mind you telling this story on a podcast? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Not my friend anymore, really. I don't really, I don't really care. I mean, like you know, we're fine, but uh-huh. whatever. Okay. He, he I, the, the, he's he's the kind of guy that I like. You, if you want, if I if I was still in my party days, I'd absolutely hang out with him. Right. But uh, as nice a guy as he can be there's other things there let's not go into that but but he turned up to my birthday party in Crouchham with a load of coke uh which we all did uh a group of us and then when when we got home everyone else went home and he was like I'm gonna call a prostitute and I was like oh I've never met a prostitute (laughs) and so he called a prostitute up to my one bed apartment and she turned up and uh and I was very fucking high standing in a, a silk dressing gown okay that I put on because that's what you do when you're high at three, four in the morning, and right. you know you know companies coming over. So I was in kind a kind of a kimono room. kind of affair. Absolutely, like a colourful silk dressing. I had like Chinese dragons all over it. Like feels a bit kind of boogie nights. It feels like I did one trip, you know, one gap year in China, and when I'm buying this, this is who I am now. This is who I am now. Call me Sebastian. Mother, father, I have found my identity. <laughs> it was pretty much that. Right. And then this young lady turned up, and I wasn't interested in doing anything with her um and and i don't think i could have done anyway if i'd wanted to right and he proceeded to just have sex with her on my bed whilst i kind of watched (laughs) and just like went yeah 
all right. I just sat there kind of creepy <laughs> playing music whilst I watched this, you know, 50-year-old or whatever he was then, 45-year-old Australian coked-up lunatic try and push his semi-flaccid penis into a young woman who was pretending like she was enjoying it but also I could see on her face immense confusion. <laughs> oh, and he also ended up having to pay her more because there were two of us there, even though I didn't do anything. Right. She was just like, if there's two of you, like... It's bonus money, right. Yeah, and he was like, oh, fucking whatever, there you go, another 50 quid, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm just going to watch. Right. <laughs> and well, then she, on the way She out, made her money and got her story. Well, she made her money and I made her a cup of tea. Oh. Before she left, I made her a nice cup of tea. What a gent. I was like, there you go. And she was like, and she, uh, on the way out, gave me her number. She was like, if you ever want to spend time with me there's my number and I was like oh thanks very much and then she left and I screwed it up and I put it in the bin right I was like I, I, as much as I'm very pro sex worker I got lots of friends who are porn actresses and porn actors uh-huh. in my friendship group and I've known escorts who are friends uh-huh. um, something about paying for sex kind of grosses me out a little bit that's fair do you know what I mean yeah but I also think it's a necessary evil for some people yeah I I I'm with you on the whole, like on the also got friends who would do sex work and believe it mm. should exist, should be fully decriminalized, et cetera, et cetera, while also not particularly being into the idea of going for it. But would you jerk off and watch me have sex with someone else? I think I would find a way to be in the other room. Oh, like I, what? Really? Yeah, no offense. You know, I think fair play to you. You go, <laughs> you go at it. I'm sure you're, you're in shape. You, you probably look great doing having sex, but I, I look all right. Yeah, I, look, I mean, I, I look into it. I'm like, I'm passionate and I'm connected. Right, you're focused. Focused. You've got, you know, you've you've got relatively good aerobic fitness. Quite, I'm polite. As yeah. Well. well, you're making tea for people, so <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. I should really do stand up about it. Like that's that's my the extent of my experience <laughs> with a prostitute is making one a cup of tea. Right. That's it. That's all I've done. It's pretty bad. But and, I did go to a massage parlor once okay. out here in LA, actually. Um, when I first moved here and I was very like uh, miserable and I went, I'm going to go and get a massage. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and I walked up the road to a little Thai town, just went to the first massage place. And right. I genuinely went in for a legitimate massage. And then, and it seemed all nice and the ladies were all wearing white coats. So I was like, oh, they look like right. scientists. <laughs> Surely yeah. this is the science of massage therapy here. And I got a pretty okay massage. And then at the end, the woman just grabbed my penis and was like, you want massage here? Uh-huh. And I was like, "Oh, thanks." Well, actually, no, I didn't say that. Okay. I went. I mean, you've already grabbed it, right? So, yeah, okay. And um, she did what she did, mm-hmm. and it was very. It felt really like, oh, this is not fun. Right. And then I, as she when, when it- I finished, she went to get me a towel, and then when she walked out the door, I looked up and I could see a cockroach. And it ran across the wall. I thought you were about to say camera. No, God. God forbid. No, a cockroach ran uh-huh. across the wall and it stopped two thirds of the way across. And as she closed the door, it stopped. And I saw it and it almost, it stopped as if it was looking at me like, you're disgusting. Right. And then, ra- <laughs> then ran off into the corner of the room. And I was like, wow, that, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, I feel like that. I mean, to be fair, all of us have jerked off slash been jerked off in the presence of a cockroach. Like in this city and in. You've lived in New York. Which you have. We both have for. Rats have watched it. Yep. Have you ever had crazy sexual antics like sex outside or somewhere you shouldn't have or anything of that nature? I mean... On an aeroplane? Okay, on a... So I have 
the most feeble attempt. By the way, I'm going to preface this by saying public and oh, we might get caught sex never really appeals to me. Like that's not my. Th- Doesn't get you worked. No, up it's the other like oh, what if we get caught? Like oh, that would be horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be, be awful if we. What got if I caught. get arrested for having yeah. sex in a public place? <laughs> what if I lose my visa because I had to <laughs> because yeah, yeah, I yeah, couldn't yeah, yeah. wait until we got back to the hotel room or the apartment or whatever? But there was someone I was dating a while back, and we we had the most feeble attempt at joining the Mile High Club because we okay we did it or at least tried to on a southwest flight from Burbank to Oakland. Wow, that's that. I mean, that's that's which, poverty fucking right there. Yeah, isn't firstly, it? That if, is, <laughs> you're like, that's for no, the like, Brits watching this or listening to this. That's the equivalent of like an EasyJet flight from London to Edinburgh. Yeah, it's both in terms of quality of airline and flight duration. You got forty five minutes. And you know Max. there's piss everywhere. Well, you've got 45 minutes basically from wheels up to wheels down. Yeah. But that really means 20 to 25 minutes before they, like, after they say, all right, seatbelts off, and before they say seatbelts... Re- if you're anything like me, Matt, it only takes two minutes. So, <laughs> so it's it like, was- you can do it 10 times in that time. So basically, what I'm trying to say is, I'm in the Mile High Club on a technicality. Yeah. Like, I'm... You're like, in a Mile Low Club. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> I... If if I, if there's a Wikipedia page of members, I'm in there, but with an asterisk. I like that. And at the bottom, what does it say? Just goes, like it's I like, mean, barely made I, the grade. I, I mean, barely. Like, you know, tip in. It's there. But you did it. You had sex. But it's there. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was. Did you cl- did you come to fruition? God, no, no. It was like we. Because there's also, there's no, this is not a big bathroom either. Oh, yeah. They're small. <laughs> so it's... You think they're quiet. When you go in to have a pee, you're yeah. like, oh, okay. There's enough room in here for me to maneuver a no, little so bit. No, so it was logistically... And also, she wasn't even wearing a skirt. She was wearing, like, sort of... She was wearing, like, trousers. Chastity belt. So, yeah. So, we had to get the key, and that was in, that was in the bag. <laughs> so we had to fight a dragon, and yeah. then go and visit had to go her back king father. And, exactly. Yeah. And we we got the riddle, but only on the third attempt. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's... Yeah, so, it was, it was really... It was a logistical mess. It was not in any way fun, and it was like, all right... Should we stop now? You didn't enjoy it? No. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we enjoyed it for the story. We enjoyed it for the ridiculousness of having... I have to say, the week that we spent in Vegas it was a good education for me, um, which I'm in a place right now, we've discussed yeah. this a little bit, where I'm trying to drop what I think, as comedians, we're very um, quick to do, which is to see someone and aesthetically, or just on two minutes of conversation, on uh-huh. just a little bit of banter with a heckler or whatever it happens to be, you have to... in milliseconds inside your head you have to make an entire rap sheet for that person right so it's all based on preemptive or uh, presumptuous um assertions about who they are what they do what they like what they don't like what kind of a person they might be because you go well she's wearing flip-flops she's got a fucking you know she's got a a american flag on her t-shirt with an eagle you know she's probably a republican probably probably florida working yeah or or foreigner or like florida oh florida yeah exactly she's got a blown out perm she's got a wedding ring on she's got a little crucifix so she's probably religious and blah 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 Mm -hmm. and you go this is what will work with this person to make them laugh or to bring them out or whatever i have to do and I'm learning that whilst we, it's a, a great skill to be able to do that and do yeah. it so instantaneously on stage, off stage, it's a hindrance to me right. connecting with people. I've made mistakes of that on stage as well. Like, there's been a few little lessons of gigs. Where I, there was one I remember, it was a while back now, but it was some small town outside of Liverpool. Right. And it was some function room 
that clearly was like you know doubles as people have their 50th birthday party oh, yeah, and maybe yeah. a wedding you know it's that kind of i can't remember what, sweet you know, 16 happens there exactly it was like a sort of fairly grubby function room nice. with the big round tables which a always rotary club yeah. uses it on a thursday night. exactly yes. and big round tables which normally spell disaster for a comedy show and a, yeah, yeah, you know a yeah, stage yeah, yeah. That, one of the stages that they brought in with a big speakers on the poles and everything and love it, it. it's just one block exactly stage, it looks like it. a conference and the average age was probably 50 something as well and it just I just looked at this, and Liverpool and its surroundings are not always the easiest place to gig either, particularly if you're a southerner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I just looked at this like, oh, okay, well, this is death. And it was a joy of a gig. Mm-hmm. Like, it was an absolute peach of a gig. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those that sort of came away just like chastising myself and my preconceptions about what they were going to be like. Because they, they were But you still went on with the, with the right energy to have the great gig. I still went on planning to have, yeah, at least trying to have a good gig. But I, it definitely, there was an adjustment a few minutes in where I was like, oh, okay, shoulders shoulders back time to sort of ease into this and i can take a bit more time with material and i wasn't sort of you know front foot getting in there and starting to enjoy myself but yeah that was one of those little lessons of just not trying to not prejudge an audience this is a very hard um practical lesson to put into uh, sorry a a less a, a life lesson to put into practice yeah but it's one that's really fucking important and it's it's really important for the growth of everyone as an individual to go first of all if I look at something and I think it's going to be shit, then it's probably going to be shit. Mm-hmm. But if I look at it and go, there's potential for this to be great, yeah. I will find the way to make it great. That's a very simple idea, but it's one that's so hard to put into practice regularly. Yeah. But what I was relating to earlier was the fact that I'm now trying to drop the preconceptions. And even with you, look, right. people who are watching this on YouTube or even just listening to your voice, they'll go, he's a well-spoken, uh, mildly RP uh, clipped, nice-looking guy. If they're looking at your camera, you've got a nice shirt. You're a fresh-faced guy. You have a permanent smile, which is just due to muscles in your face. It is that constantly keeps you smiling. Yeah, I've got, I've got resting. Just saw myself on the jumbo trumpets. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I liked that. That's a lovely little reference. Um, and, uh, but I also you would go, oh, here's a nice, safe guy. Right. And don't get me wrong, you are nice, and there's a lot about you that is safe. Right. But in Vegas, I discovered, and even just hearing about you joining the Mile High Club, however low the experience <laughs> might be. In been, the most rubbish way. No, but dude, you realize, Matt, out of all the comedians on the circuit, let's take like 10,000 comedians. Right. I guarantee less than 1% of them have fucked someone on a plane. But also, and I probably one fly of th- more than most of them just because I live in America. Fine, but irrespective of that. I bet, I bet most comics in the UK have more dirtbag stories than I do. Maybe, but, but here's the difference. You have like, whilst, whilst yours might be in more individual and, and, and smaller in number, it seems like they're more classy. Like you've done better <laughs> shit fewer times. Does the that make first sense? Time, that's lovely. And it's the first time attempting to have sex in a Southwest toilet has ever been described as classy. I mean, well. <laughs> like, like, oh, and so, now you get the measure of what kind of man I am. Oh, ambassador. Of, why you do it spoil me? <laughs> you spoil me with this bathroom piss smell anus. Well, I, I love it. Yeah, hike up my ball, ball gown and get on in there. <laughs> I, um, and then help yourself to the free pretzels. That would be nice on the way out. <laughs> if they just hand you a little snack like, you did great. <laughs> just gives you a little pat. I had sex on a plane once as well. Go on. Which um, was it? Did you do it the proper way and have like a long haul flight and a bit? It was of a long haul flight, right? It was back. I did a gap year in New Zealand when I was eighteen to nineteen. Okay, I went out there and I taught PE phys ed in a in a school, and I was on a radio station, a dance music radio station. I started DJing at clubs. It was a really fun trip. Okay, fun year. Did that feel like love. a sort of like turn eighteen and like really sort of find yourself kind of trip? I don't think I have started to truly find myself until the last year of my life. Okay. 
and now I'm starting to across the board in my comedy, my personal life, my relationship, um, even in my work. I think whilst I've been doing a lot of good things and I've done a lot of I, like if I look back at the course of my life, I'd be very proud of the crazy, wonderful, right. hardcore, interesting, difficult experiences that I've conquered or achieved. However, never being truly comfortable with myself, and it's only in this last year that's happened. But it was more a case of I had my heart broken in New Zealand. I fell madly in love with a Maori chick out there. We were together for a long time. She broke my heart just before I was leaving. Was like, see you later. I'm fucking. I can't do this. Can't do. That. I was like, oh, I use this. Floods of tears, like really right. bad. And I got on this flight, and on the it was a Air New Zealand flight, and on the first leg of the journey, we stopped in LA. Right. But it was like two, but that's and like we had a si- stopover. Okay, yep. So it's and- like, that flight is about sort of 16 hours to LA, 15, 16 hours to LA, and then another like 11, 11 hours. hours to Well, back London. then it was actually another 12. The total flying time was about 25, 26 hours. Right. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because it was just slower then. The, flight, the planes yeah, weren't as Auckland, high speed. Think, yeah, it was 14 from Auckland, and then another... 12 or 13 from LA so on the first flight I was sat next to randos I had a nice nice chat I read my book blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. at LA we stopped for a bit and I started talking to this girl young 18, 19 just done a gap year in New Zealand she was at South Island so similar place to you absolutely and we talked she was very sexy she had these cute little glasses but she was like a sexy geek kind of thing Uh and we were talking about things and then we got on the flight and um and we were sat next to each other. It was very coincidental. And we were sat at the back and we were like, oh, great. Um, this is wonderful. We were right by the toilets at the very back in right. that last partition. So we didn't have like, couldn't put our seats back. It was a little bit like. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we're sat next to these two middle-aged women in their 50s, right? Uh-huh. We start the flight. We're talking, we're talking, we're talking. And immediately she's like, hey, you want to watch a movie at the same time? Together, let's like, put it okay. on. And, like, yeah. let, you know, share headphones or whatever we're going to roll. And we're like. Or whatever, put it at the same time, and I was like, "Yeah, go, let's do that." Back then, it probably wasn't even on demand, so you'd just be like, "Which chat? Which of the six was, channels oh, are we going to do?" And it then, was like that, yeah, yeah. it was one hundred percent. So I was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So we start watching whatever. I can't remember what the fucking movie was. Right. Who knows? It was some dog shit. But we start watching it, and then at some point, she goes, "Oh, do you want to share? Do you want a blanket as well, like that?" I'm like, "I'm like, oh, okay." So she puts the armrest up, she puts the blanket, and we put the blanket over our legs, and I'm like, "I mean." I feel like I should just try a little bit. Because we were flirting outrageously, blah, blah, right. blah, blah. The two older ladies thought we were boyfriend and girlfriend. They're going, oh, you're such a sweet couple. We just like laughed about it. And then we're kind of like, well, you know. And um, I kind of put my hands, you know, down by my sides. And it was like my finger. You know that? Right. You know, oh, I love that. Yeah. It's... That tentative teenage touch, you know, where yeah. you're like. I mean, that's oh. still even when you're older. But that, yeah, those little sort of like just oh. testing the waters with just like a little pinky finger. And just go like. <laughs> Hang on, is there pressure back? Is I that... love that shit. Where yeah, like, like, oh, is that an accidental touch? Or is it like, okay, I'm just going to hold my hand there for a little bit longer just to see if that's she my... also puts her hand there for a little bit that's longer. That's my and then see favorite the... thing I miss about being young. Right. The, tu- the fact that the a touch on the outside of your pinky finger against the side of a woman's thigh is enough to be like, <gasps> we might fuck. It's but like so exciting. I don't even think that's a young thing. I think like, because that, that isn't like, I, the levels and the the situation has changed, but even as you get older, the early there is something exciting about the early stages of any relationship where you're just Absolutely. like, where you you're both feeling each other out to kind of tentative, like, you clearly tentative, t- uh, tentative yeah, tactility. You know, with hindsight, that both of you had feelings for each other, but at the time, you're like, 
you're taking that little risk of just kind of like, okay, I'm going to put myself out there a little bit and see if it's reciprocated, and then well, they put it. themselves out a little bit and then see if it's reciprocated. And that's it's just, consent yeah. for me. That was like always consent for me as a young man was right. to kind of be like a little brush or a little, or you kiss someone on the cheek or you give them a little hug. And if there's a response, yeah. Then you go, and if there's like a, a, a sort of, you know, if she moved her legs slightly, it would have been like, oh, shit, 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 bring my hands up and be like, okay, cool, I'm not going to yeah. try that. Anyway, she kind of moved her leg into my hand, then her hand comes down, touches my hand, then she just took my hand and put it on her leg, and I'm like, all right, well, this is happening. Right. This is fucking going. The lights had gone down in the airplane, it was the night time on the airplane, so everyone right. was kind of starting to see, these two old bras next to us, they'd had fucking three or four white wine spritzes. So they're out. They're passed out to fuck. And eventually, they watched Shirley with, Valentine had a cry and then gone. She bangs her hand on my crotch, starts jerking my dick, you know, puts her hand down. Right. So I start playing with a pussy. And after a little bit, well, I'm like, I just say to her, I'm like, leaning, I go, we can't do this here. Like, we can't do this here. And she's like, you're right, you're right, you're right. And she goes, and I go, I go, let's go to the toilets. Go in this first cubicle on the left and I'll meet you there. I'll give you like three taps and I'll come in in like four minutes. She's like, okay. So she goes to the restroom. And wait four minutes. I'm fucking just... Yep. And then I get there and knock, knock, knock. And I go inside. And we had the shortest, <laughs> most intense sex. Right. But she came and I came. It was fucking awesome. Because there was all the... all of, in Yeah, because it had the full In the way that you're not excited up. by, we shouldn't be doing this. I can get incredibly aroused like well, we shouldn't be doing but this. But also you had... It's also a very different situation. Because you had sort of... um. A good few hours of six hours. We had six hours of of build up of, of mental flirting. and yeah, mental and physical build up, and it's the first time you ever met, and it's yeah, that frizzle of a chat. Whereas this was a long term relationship where we'd been like, this was hey. a, this was a save the relationship fuck on a plane. It wasn't even a save the. It was more of a like a hey, you know what would be fun right now? Like we joked about it the night before when we were right. drinking, and then we're like, should we do it? And then we got in, and we're like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like what? Like it was much more of it. It wasn't like a sort of. Like, for you, it felt like that was, like, the peak of six hours worth of solid build-up. It was up. amazing. It was amazing. We had quick sex, came back, got into the seats. She put her head on my shoulder and fell asleep. Right. She was just, like, happy and done and see you later. I fucking ordered another double whiskey and drank that, and I watched the rest of the movie, and then I read my book. It was Paolo Coelho's The Alchemist I was reading, and I okay. read the end of that. And then we got off, and um, because we both, like... I had a, a New Zealand phone numbers for the last year, but we were going to go back to our English ones. I was like, let's just do emails so we can blah, blah, blah. And I think we might have emailed once. Right. Or maybe never. It was just a I don't know who she memory. is. I don't know where she is. I'd love to know what her life is. I'd love to know what became of that woman. Well, I hope she... I, hopefully she sees that as an equally happy, fun memory. I'm Great. Sounds like it would have been. Oh, she's definitely yeah. told people it, when she's drunk in a pub one night, just like... Oh, this one time I fucked a stranger on a second leg of a flight from New Zealand. Yeah. Great. Fell asleep on him, never saw him again. Mm. It was wonderful. Great. I like naughty things like that. Um, but there's also something to be said for the, uh, like, uh, uh, now, there's something to be said for those wonderful, um, I've always mocked, I think, and this is where I want to pick your brains, because you seemingly, at least aesthetically, at least in the way that you, d- you carry yourself, are a guy who does nice things. You're, you're the kind of you're the nice guy. Like if I wanted to go on a picnic with a couple, I'd be like, "Well, Matt and his girlfriend would love a picnic." I imagine. I mean, I take I take that as a compliment. I think. Yeah, it means but... that you're 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 the guy that I would hit up to do nice stuff. Okay. Because it's like, who would be up for doing that? You're an activity guy. You're literally every day in Vegas. Like, okay, this morning we're going to the Mob Museum. Who's on? <laughs> Who's on board? Well, that's that's also partly. 
I, I'm less of that when I'm in LA or when I'm home, but I do like to... If you're on the road for a... Like, Vegas, that run is... You're in the same hotel for a, for eight days. And it smells like old people farts and cigarettes. Well, because Vegas not that, cause that does. much yeah. great stuff to do there unless you like gambling or drinking. Well, that's the thing. And I'm I, you've given up drinking mm. and I am not... I don't have a gambling... I don't have the gambling gene. It yeah, just yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. do it for me. It just annoys me. So if you're not a gambler and, you know, there's only so much partying you can do and still... F- Again, like late 30s, I think it might... Thinking back to like the Edinburgh Festival when I was in my twenties, you could right. drink till four or five in the morning, have three hours sleep, and be up to flyer at ten in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't do that now. My body won't let me do that. I mean, you've got to do two shows a night, and it's for the comedy seller. So you're like, I don't want to screw these gigs up because mm-hmm. I, I value them and I value yeah, the, I'm New York. One of the best comedy clubs in the world, and I want to make sure I do it exactly. Good. I don't want word getting back to Esty that I showed up like hungover and steaming and like. So you know, you're like, no, I'm going to be sensible about this. Yeah. I'll I'll have a drink in the evening, but I'm not going to fuck myself up. I mean, I told her about you having sex in the toilets back Right, well, and she'd be I mean, like, good for him. She'd be like, <laughs> it's like, you got to try it. I mean, they discussed it. She's they like, well, as long as he gets some funny material out of it and does go. it in my club, great. I didn't tell her it was with me, but right. I, that's, yeah, well, that's yeah. Know. Oh yeah, we should have told the listeners that and viewers that yeah, that was, that was, anyway, it was. But back to Oakland. What else are you going to I mean, do? It was magical. You've got to occupy your time, which brings me back to Vegas. You're yeah. there for, you're there for seven days. Do you think you're a man who, um, when you do your comedy, because your comedy is, uh, again, like you as a person, which I'm learning as the more I get to know you, you are a nice juxtaposition of different things. Right. You're, you're, I don't think that your your the nice guy presentation that you have externally is fake in any way. It's a hundred percent. You are just like a nice dude who's just generally like. Hey, I'm a nice guy and I want to treat people with respect and I want to be nice and I want to do nice things. I, mean, I try to. I'm sure there's people who would have the opposite view of me, but But there's a there is also another side that is a little more rock and roll, that's a little more hidden. Is that the same with your uh, when you when you write comedy, do you use that as a trope? Because people will immediately, as soon as you walk on stage, well, go, Well, he's just gonna be the straight laced well, de- vanilla nice guy. You definitely have like Alonzo Bowden would say that say that about me. He because we gig together quite a lot back in the day and he would would tell people like, yeah, you Kirshen, like, he's insulted you and you don't even realize it. Oh, yeah. You can, and Which also is, some of your material can get quite dark as well. Well, I definitely, particularly in America, I have stuff where I've done gigs where I finished with sort of five minutes of like a set of sex jokes and then a joke with the word cunt in it mm. and then have people come up afterwards and go like, I like how you didn't use profanity. I like, <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> because it just, I don't know, just coming from this face and this accent somehow that just, that reads very differently. That's the accent in a big way as well. In America, which is a thing I I like. You know what else I like? And when you're talking about preconceptions. Yeah. I, and I've talked about this before. One of the things I really like about gigging in America is actually how few preconceptions people have about me when I'm on stage. Okay. In a way that, obviously I walk on as a Brit and I've got this face, and that's like a couple of... I've got this face. I've got this face, I look like this, I've got... Um, and also I always... I, I, I look young. Like I, I'm... In oh, my, yeah. I'm in my late 30s now, I can easily pass for a, like 20s Absolutely. if I... Uh, you're, unless playing you look, a, you're playing age, I'd say, is like... 21, 22. Like, unless to you know just like the grey hair, and there are some like, there's a bit of wrinkling. You could but... do a, a, a Matt LeBlanc and just dye that. Right. And it's a, uh, but you know, I started in my early 20s and I looked like a teenager. Mm-hmm. I looked like a schoolboy. Um, but, uh, but you know, you've got those, those broad preconceptions when I walk on stage in America where people are like, all right, he's a, 
he's uh, he's English or whatever, and he's like this English gentleman, whatever Americans think I am when they hear this voice. But a compared murderer, to a murderer, right. stone cold murderer, exactly. He's a he runs an evil empire. He lives in a volcano. You know all the normal things you Why think of when you hear this think voice. We're villains because <laughs> we play it well. But I um, but it's a very broad stereotype. Whereas when I gig in Britain and they hear this voice, although my voice is n- my accent's now screwed up because I've lived in America for too long, but particularly when I st- before I lived in America, sure, you'd know this as well. You British Britain is very region centric, class centric. Absolutely, it's when you open your mouth in Britain anywhere, people have you drilled down to. Not even a town, like an area of a town. Oh, you're a posh southern twat as soon as you open your mouth. Right. Like I'm a fucking London wide boy. Do you know right, what I mean? Exactly. Like, and this person and this person is like working class Manchester or whatever. You know There's a bit of that here though as well, isn't it? People go like, Oh, come on, they're from Wisconsin, they're from the Midwest. Yeah. Oh, that's nice now. So but there's still Ooh, yeah. pretty broad yeah. stereotypes. You know, just think about accents barely change in California. There are there's a slight difference, or even all the way up the West Coast, there's a slight difference between San Diego and Seattle, but barely, not much of a difference in accent. And that's just because we're British and we don't hear it as clear, and whereas an American would hear a, a vast difference in those accents. No, I, there are some specific accents. You know, there's a sort of Orange County accent that you can you can tell, also the Beach Bum accent. And there's sure, a, sure, sure, yeah. The yeah. sort of, there are various little Bay Area accents that you can pick out, and I'm sure linguists can pick out more accurately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's it's a product of where people migrated. You know, they s- slowly moved across America. And then the, by the time they came to the West Coast, they'd all come from various mixed up pools and then they just spread out along there. Mm-hmm. So it's a, there isn't really the sense of the really drilled in identity. And also America isn't class centric in the same way Britain is. Oh, like there, there are for- classes, you know, there's like, oh, this guy's kind of preppy. This person's kind of blue collar. Whatever, but nothing like it is in Britain. In the UK, even though there is a lot of racism there, I was talking about this on the previous podcast, we very much separate each other out based on class and earning and, you know, what fucking tax bracket you're yeah, in. Yeah, and racism is always there, but it, it's it, more about what's the color of your skin, what's your cultural background. That's how we're going to segregate people yeah, out. Yeah, and racism is there and has always been there in Britain, but it is more like Gina Yashere has a line about like moving to her, about her family moving to Britain, like somewhere with bad weather and subtle racism. But yeah. I love that phrase, subtle racism of like, it's there. It absolutely is in society and it does dictate society in the way it always does. But it's so, it's kind of hidden. It's under the current where yeah, yeah, yeah. think a thing that blew American friends of mine's minds is that, or often really surprises them in Britain is that, Class and wealth are separate entities. Mm-hmm. Completely, like you can have someone who's upper class and broke. Yeah, and you can have someone who is a multi-millionaire but will never be considered anything other than upper middle class. Well, there you go. That's because Nouveau Riche. You get the old Essex boy who yeah. sold his business for seven million and has invested well, but he's still like fucking come on, Gary, like that. And he's walking around with a Rolex. Yeah, and, and it's about like, where you came he's from. He's got yeah. no class, uh, and, but he's wealthy as fuck. And upper class even specifically is like oh titled you you could it's about where you can trace your ancestry to absolutely and so oh you know he's a lord yes right. he's a lord yeah so like richard hasn't got a penny to so sort of together, explaining though, to people that like richard branson for example would not be considered upper class in britain no he's what the one percent of the one percent but he's not upper class because he didn't come he doesn't he didn't he's not descended from a baron yeah yeah or yeah. an earl uh although i think his parents were someone but they're like it's um even explaining to people, this one really surprised a friend of mine that 
the queen is not considered to be the poshest person in Britain. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. she's not the most upper-class person in Britain. I mean, if you actually get her on a one-on-one conversation, she's just like, fucking hell, <laughs> mate, you know what? Like, this whole monarchy business. But, like, her family isn't, like, the oldest and most revered family in, in Britain. Right. And there are people who would consider themselves to be posher than the queen. And yeah, who, yeah. And that blew some American friends of mine's minds. Yeah. Because that's how class-centric and and historically segregated Britain can be. In this country, and the you second... can buy yourself a position. Right, because it's a much newer country, and that system is uh, was put into place. Later. And obviously, America does have things like that. You know, you've got the sort of East Coast, and you've got the Hamptons and so on, and the, sure. those, those sort of East Coast historical families and prep school families and so on. But it's it's not the same. And also, people don't characterize you in the same way. Right. And particularly as a foreigner, where they can't really... Like, to, to most Americans, we sound pretty much the same. Uh, mm-hmm. And even me and I'd sound the same as someone like Jason Manford, who's from Manchester, or Kevin Bridges, who's from Glasgow. Or apparently, or we sound like Australians. Well, yeah, I very much... to every fucking American. I exactly. I got, <laughs> got into a disagreement once in the uh, security line in an airport. Uh, someone thought, I barged in front of her when I hadn't, or she pushed in front of me, and I, I can't remember. Like glared at whatever it was, someone was being a dick to me, and like, and I, you can't convince me that it wasn't their fault. Mm-hmm. But anyway, as we were leaving that area, she went, she went, you Australian dick or something like that, and I was like, yeah, blame that on that country. You're like, yeah, yeah, fuck you Shut from up, all of you Australia, dickhead Sheila. Yeah, everyone in Australia thinks you're a- anyway. I got fed up every time I get in a lift or an Uber out here. They're always like, oh, where in, uh, where in Australia are you from? Yep. And I've given up just fucking saying London now. Just I just go, yeah, I just go, yeah, Sydney. Yeah. And yep. they're like, oh, what do you do there? A lot of raping and murdering, mostly. Bit of pedophilia. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's like pretty big in Australia right now. Just give them a bad name. <laughs> Fuck it. If you're gonna put that on me, I'm gonna I'm gonna go full yeah, hog. Nothing like the uh, the Brits who are blameless. Oh <laughs> just... no, but you know what? Like the Brits, I mean, they're amazing people, aren't they? <laughs> like they sent all of us, all the criminals, over to Australia, and that's why we are so awful. I killed seven kids last week. You know what I mean? <laughs> just got in there. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, is that they. Yeah. You know what that is? Is because we are not posh. If we like, I think there's people in England who go, "Well, you're reasonably well spoken. You've got a little little RP going on every now and then." But it has to be put upon. Whereas in America, I'm solidly middle class in Britain. Like to a Brit, I'm like middle. I'm middle class. Same. I mean, well, working middle class. I guess. Okay. But I also think um, in America, unless they because they have they have, and correct me if I'm wrong. What I've experienced so far is there's only two types of British people to Americans. Right. There's. Guy Ritchie movie, Jason Statham, Vinnie Jones. I'm fucking, I'm like from London. I'm from the UK. And even like Mancunians would be part of that. I'm fucking Manchester, man. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it's one of those uh, Manchester Cockneys. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Literally, you're either like a rough and ready fucking, do you know what I mean? Let's go fucking doing it. Or you're Chiefs and Worcester. Or or you're literally like, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I'm I'm Hugh Grant and I'm ever so silly. And um, that's, that's who I am, unfortunately. That's it. Yep. That's it. They're the two categories. That's it. And it's it's quite, but in a way, it's quite freeing to walk on stage in America and have, not have those preconceptions or have such a broad brush stereotype that you can either work in with or against. Absolutely. Do we do the same thing to Americans? Because I I don't think we do the same thing in terms of... I think Brits, 
Well, I, it's we don't go. There's only two types of Americans. Because first of all, no, I don't know what a posh American sounds like. I think we do though. When 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 people when Brits do American accents, it's normally one of or quite often a weird, monstrous marriage of New York and Alabama. Okay, like it's the two together. It's like one of those. See, I thought it was just in the, in the way that they put us into one of two class categories: either poor working class Jason Statham on the transporter, or hello, my name's Hugh Grant and I'm ever so posh. Yeah, no, I think we do the th- we. I thought we just do regional that we go. Well, all Americans are either hey man, I'm from the West Coast. Oh, sorry, yeah, that's the third we category. Do, you know, unbelievable man, I'm from Texas and I like to fuck my cousin. Or we do. Hey, New York City! That's exactly it. And that's it. Those are the three Americans, and if you ask someone to do an American accent, it'll, in Britain, it would normally be some sort of abortion of those three. I remember the first time I heard a Minnesota accent. Oh, it's a treat. I was like, what what is this? Or or like any of that region, or like North Dakota, I mean like Fargo, if you've seen that. Yes. That's real. It almost sounds Canadian a little bit, doesn't it? But that's also like if you, um, what, what about in Britain? The first time I did gigs in the West Country... West and, and got the yeah. full like farmer slash pirate accent yeah, at me yeah. just from a guy in the street who was giving me directions. Yeah. Ah, you want to take, take what down that way and you know you want to take okay, down that's, there. Yeah. You got Manchester. Have I got Manchester. No. All right. What's the what's the Midlands? Let's get the like a black country, black country, black country. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, black country. Well, that's you a want treat to take, of an You well. want to go down the road and that. But the but the thing, yeah, the ridiculous thing about Britain is you can go. 30 miles east or west and, and sound completely compl- fucking wildly different. different accents yeah yeah we crammed it in but that's because everyone went through the uk everyone for some reason yeah romans greeks vikings celts everyone went through this tiny fucking island yeah isn't that impressive well we're pretty good yeah and and then yeah it's sort of affected by yeah who you can you can see by like hair color and intonation who did the most fucking yeah which tribe fucked the most in this region there you go. and you go like all right york and east scotland is like all right that's vikings i love when people go to ireland and everyone thinks Celts. irish irish they go well irish you know red hair like the scots or, you know like and like light eyes and freckles and and i'm from ireland how's it going there you know but if you go to like the west coast of ireland that's where all the Spaniards landed. Okay. And they fucked the shit out of people over there. So they went over there, took all the hot women back to fucking Spain, which is why when you go to those parts of the country, you know, you're like, oh, wow, everyone here is very attractive. They took all the beautiful women. Same in Scandinavian countries. You know what I mean? Scandinavia, Norway, like all of that. Uh-huh. Um, Sweden, etc. While the women are hot because they stole all the fucking hotties, put them on a boat, took them back, along with all the gold they pillaged and stole from the churches. And then, but they did a lot of fucking. So if you go to the west coast of Ireland, all the women are there are like dark, dark hair, gorgeous, like deep green eyes. Like they're very fucking sexy people. Uh-huh. They don't look Irish in the slightest. I hadn't really thought about the different west country and west. It's crazy. It's quite literally again in like just with Ireland. You go, well, if you go to any four of the points of it, right. you can see the history of the last three, four hundred years. And then of you can kind of see that in Britain and, and America, right? like Boston and Liverpool are really similar cities. Mm, mm-hmm. And that's because the Irish people who left during the famine, if they went west, they ended up in Boston. If they mm-hmm. went east, they ended up in Liverpool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're they're incredibly similar cities. Yeah. Both in attitude and makeup and religion and everything there. Yeah. And in terms of criminality. You know, right, exactly. Whitey Bulger. <laughs> that's, 
Let's, get, could, let's yeah. get both of us cancelled right now. Let's get let's get all of Liverpool on us. I think that's all right. That's a fine, isn't it? I'm not. I'm not like Liverpool is not crying out for Jeff Leach solo gigs right now. <laughs> Boston, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to piss off Boston. That's a great comedy city. It is got history there, isn't it? But also, like Liverpool, it's very much like they like their own. Right. They're much more about hometown heroes, Bill Burrs, Louis C.K.s, that kind of vibe. They're like all about like. Yeah, they're they're Boston, very right. and Liverpool's the same. It's like they will the Beatles. You've got to fight to prove yourself as like. Why would we want someone who's not from Liverpool to entertain us? Because we've already got what we need here. Also, working class boys. They're all about like working class boys. Right. Like, blue collar votes for the left wing party, but quite conservative. Who's your core demographic? Do you have, I'm sure you don't like write materials for a specific type of audience, but you must at this point have gone, oh, these are the people that really like what I do. Well, I think it's changed over the years because, like, like when I. Okay, when I did um, Last Comic Standing, for example, and I was this this face a decade ago, mm. I was getting MySpace messages mostly from, like, earnest teenage girls and middle-aged gay men. Like, that yes. was my demographic. Yes, that's the best demographic. That's what I had then, but it's changed. And, and then I, you know, I do this science podcast, and I've got, like, a foot in that world. Mm-hmm. So I get people who found me through that. Mm-hmm. So the sort of like nerdy slash thinky subculture. Sometimes I'm. I got a lot of that through the gaming because right. of my gaming background. Uh, then there's. And by the way, I gotta say, gaming like anyone who's remotely fucking geeky and is into what you do, are, they are the best audience to have on board. Oh. Because when you release shit or when they like you, they go, "Oh, I saw this guy on stage." First of all, they know how to use the internet. They're very tech savvy. So immediately they go on, they're on their phones before they've even left the show. Likes you on every social media. They found your podcast. They've left a message on your YouTube video. Do you right, know I mean? they get themselves organized. We did a tour of Australia at the beginning of this year and a bunch of people came out and it was great. They're nice. just doing the podcast. But again, they've sort of got themselves organized. They write in with, our, our listeners are nuts because they, I mean, they're brilliant because we will... We'll ru- we'll get stuff wildly wrong, and then we'll get like a professor of fluid dynamics write in and go like, "Uh, actually, this is how a fart cloud disseminates in a room or whatever." And you're like, nice. "Okay, thank you, professor. Yeah, I don't know why you are wasting your valuable lab time." Even emailing. professors need to listen to podcasts, man. They really do. Just this is what another thing is. We we always uh, again this is you know, preconceptions. Just because someone is in the world of science or history or you know uh, biology, chemistry, whatever it happens to be, or politics, we assume that's all that they're concerned about. But I guarantee if your job is academia, either lecturing academia or research, active research, yeah. you spend so much time staring at a screen, sitting in a lab, sitting in your office you got to be jerking off pretty regularly and you got to like find ways to fucking escape that world every now and then. Well, there's also... <laughs> Podcasts and porn. When people... I, that misconceived like notion when people... Like, like that sort of lazy comedy trope of when they kind of like com- the Comic-Con or the, like the science conferences and go like, mm-hmm. oh, it's a whole lot of nerds who, who can't get laid. Like... Mm-hmm. They are all fucking. They're fucking each other. Oh yeah, hundred like, percent. Yeah, yeah. Your comic cons, your science conferences, or whatever. There is weird nerd sex going on every night. And between... that's why cosplay girls can are like now notable celebrities <laughs> right. around the world. But like, there's there is some creative filth going on between smart people at these conferences. Oh, if you haven't fucked a gender bending Mario, Super <laughs> Mario brother, then I mean, you haven't lived. Do you know what I mean? 
there with is. the dungarees the other way around so the flap opens up and you're presented with what you need. Right, and then, you know, they shrink down, they Take expand. some mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> Shit goes crazy. They disappear down pipes. <laughs> I know it's a star, not a mushroom, but whatever. You get the idea. And at the end... They reach up and punch things. She pulls the moustache off and go, It's me! Right. Yeah. And then the princess always escapes. You know, it's... Mm. I um, am very tapped into the geek world. Right. And I'm very passionate about it. I've always been like of the opinion that just because you like geeky shit, whether it's like, I don't know if you can say, you can't see them on the screen, but all my little toys and collectibles up there and my. Oh, yeah, my you've various, got a fair few little. All my like artwork from various video games and comic book heroes and stuff like that. Um, you know, we've got Game of Thrones, fucking Harley Quinn, Assassin's Creed, Fallout, all of that stuff going on up there. Now, because of those, people would go, oh, okay, well, then you have to look a certain way, you have to act a certain way. I'm like, no, no, no. That's not how it is. There's, this, is, this is like the video game industry in general as well. For years, people just thought it's 11-year-old boys playing video games, Cheeto dust, jerking off their basement. Don't get me wrong. There's still plenty of that going on. Yeah. But, and God bless them, and I'm glad oh, they've got that outlet. And Fuck yeah. And yeah. everyone needs a way to find creativity and find connection. And whether it's sitting on a headset at home talking to friends in mm-hmm. Korea that you play StarCraft with, or if it's, you know, going out to the park and kicking a ball around, it doesn't matter. You're connected with people. Yeah. But for every one of those people, there's within the same world, there's absolutely some smoking hot cosplay chick who also has a has a biochemist degree from Harvard and she organizes sex parties on the weekend with her super hot boyfriend who works in marketing and advertising at Square Enix. Well, the, well, the, well the other thing, when people are like, uh, I don't, I, I'm, not, I'm not particularly in the gaming world. I basically, my gaming ability and knowledge stopped around the sort of, Around the Sega Mega Drive. (laughs) Like, Sega Mega Drive was my... Or Genesis, as it is in America, was like my last console. And that's, what, 20 years ago? Oh, yeah, that's pretty fucking old, yeah. 25 years ago, maybe? Still great, though. Enjoyed it. But that was like... And then they put the joysticks on the the pads, and I was like, that's too many things. I'm done. You're done. Uh, But... He's not a multitasker. But, you know, when people are like, oh, these internet communities are isolating people... um, I think there is some truth. I think I think that there can be there can be isolating effects where people withdraw from society because because they get too into that world. And I think also there are all the dangers of like you get too into specific bubbles, which subcultures, yeah, which can if it's the wrong bubble lead to various forms of radicalization or whatever, and like pos like negative reinforcement of bad ideas Mm -hmm. that absolutely exists. But for every start out just looking at like hot cosplay chicks. You know, having a little jerk off, and by the end of it, you're watching, you know, Al Qaeda training videos. Like marching with tiki torches or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, And that absolutely exists. But also, for as much as that, when they're like, "Oh, is internet time causing kids to withdraw from society?" For as much as that, I'm think about the number of kids who have niche interests Mm -hmm. or. Div- or varying sexualities or gender identities. Who never had or an whatever. outlet to explore yeah. those. If you grew up in, yeah, if you grew up in a New York or San Francisco or London, whatever, you're golden. But if you grew up in a small village somewhere and you're the only kid in your school who maybe who is... Who loves Naruto. Yeah, or, or might be bisexual or likes death metal or whatever the fuck and you're feeling really isolated, but mm-hmm. then you can go on the internet and find a thousand other only kids in their town and suddenly you've got a massive community. By That's metal amazing. metalhead Naruto fan 763. Exactly. You find here on a forum and you're like, oh my God, we're the same person. 
Exactly, and suddenly you don't feel like you're this weird isolated kid. You've got your community, and that's awesome. And then you're sending nudes over oh. the internet to the person, and you have a relationship for two years, and, and then, then you they, end up on an episode of Catfish. And, and then they leak, and you realize you've been talking to... To a 47-year-old man from Minnesota But at least Steve. that 47-year-old guy brought you some brief yeah. connection. Yeah. I had to recount my early use of the internet. Uh, do you ever... Remember AOL chat, first yep. of all? AOL chat was a fucking... I was a, I never did that, but I did IRC chat. Okay, yeah. So yeah, same yeah. deal. But it was still like age stats location, right? Age sex location, ASL. Let's do it. Let's hit the. the, the I, I, I tell you what I did, and I'm not proud of this at all. And and to their credit, I constantly ended up looking the dick. Right. I was like young, earnest, but also very immature teenage atheist, and I would go on the Christian forums wow. and troll, but really ineffectually you troll before trolling was a troll thing. so like i would i remember like i'd go on some of these forums and be like jesus was a fucking di-, or whatever like it, and to their credit and to my shame across the board they nearly to a person responded with nothing but grace and calm like hey i'm sorry you feel that way and you know maybe the grace of god could bring you out yeah that place and, and uh and what you did there is sort of fairly childish but mm-hmm. uh you know, I hope you can find some comfort one day in the Lord like we do. Yeah, they don't do that now. I don't know if you've met no, West, no, Westboro. No, Baptist now it'd be like, fuck you back. But like, yeah. to, to their credit... You're cre- gonna burn in hell, son! To their eternal credit and to my eternal shame, it was almost exclusive that I was like... <laughs> and then they would reply like, like, my son, my child. <laughs> I just used to have sex text. like So so like, it would be like te- sex text, but it right. was basically, um, we used to call it like um, uh, chat sex. Right. So I go on a thing called Alamac Chat. That was the big one for me. I found okay. this forum called Alamac Chat. I wonder if what it's is, in existence. What does Alamac stand for? No idea. I have no idea. It was just a chat place. It was just a forum with loads of different rooms. And you go into various rooms and we'd be in there every day. Like I would be on there. I'd come home from school and jump on there and try and be on there as much as possible. Right. And I had relationships. I had friendships. I had groups of people. And I 100% had, would set up, I became moderator on various like bits <laughs> and I would be able to set up private rooms. So I would set up private rooms with a girl I liked, blah, blah, blah. I'd never seen her. I didn't know if she was that. And I would end up like either sending when that was possible to send pictures eventually when we got to the MySpace era, that kind of right. thing. But before that, I'd have sex chat like uh, like sex talk with with girls yeah and i'd be a 14 year old boy and i'd be going yeah yeah like oh yeah my penis is really hard oh my cock's hard now but i learned how to speak dirty that way that's how i learned how to do dirty talk so do you think when you like got your stuff together to actually have in-person relationships it helped you um it gave me the being comfortable about sexual dialogue okay but what i also have now realized as a 35 year old man is there is no way in hell I was talking to a 15-year-old girl when I was a 14-year-old boy. She was 100% a 53-year-old dude yeah. from fucking <laughs> Illinois just going, yeah, this 14-year-old boy, yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm 100%. T- and I'm torn on this because, okay, when you, are, when you are actually underage... You're as- welcome, Lawrence. Yeah. You're welcome, Steve. I know you guys still follow me. When you were actually underage as well, like, okay, that's that's grubby, that's bullshit. Particularly, were you, were, how old, were you claiming to be 15? Were you being honest about both your always. gender and age? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always honest about, you know, if I was a 15-year-old boy, I was like, 15, male, okay, then, London. Then that is grubby. Then that's like, like, what that's, if that really is then like a sort of, which it almost certainly I was. I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Some of them might, might not have been fake. Maybe, because, you know, there are also... 
if there were 14, 15 year old guys who were into that, there mm-hmm. are also 14, 15 year old women Absolutely. who are into that. And then, but the way they spoke, or girls rather, in, upon reflection, yeah, the way they typed and yes. spoke through the written form, there was no way. No, because also weren't. you can, with hindsight as an adult, you're looking back and going like, oh, women don't think about their bodies that way Absolutely and talk not. about their bodies that way. Absolutely and, not. And yeah, it's the language of a, it's the male language of the male gaze that is applied to women. Yeah, dude, I was a hundred percent fucking pedo porn for a lot of guys. Yeah. I reckon. Or best case scenario, it was a guy, but it was a guy roughly your age. Yeah, which is also possible. There was unlikely quite again, often- unlikely. Yeah, I was I was groomed by a pedophile at my school. Okay, uh, a teacher, Mister King. He was called old Scottish bloke and taught Latin. They all the pedophiles from all my schools when I was a kid. All taught Latin. There was something about now whether what the one at our school, what subject he might have Latin been Latin or history. Latin or history. It's always he Latin or history because they look at it and they go, "Well, the Greeks had it right, right? Having a young boy around." Something at all about times. that. He did have. Was it Latin? Like it might have been. It might have been. Oh yeah, bunch of pedos. Now when I meet or someone, history. Go, well, I speak Latin. I go, "All right, keep away from my children." <laughs> yeah, but um. I realized that even though I was being groomed in real life, I was actively grooming myself online. I was I was putting my I was putting myself out there like a little slut. I was a 15-year-old. But it's the slut. same thing. You're getting you're getting that reinforcement and that goes back to like I say like the good side of online for kids and then the bad side because yeah. it it is that positive reinforcement and you get to the same re- thing that makes people spiral down those hate spirals is they they start saying things and then they get other people kind of going, yeah, that's right. And it gives you that encouragement and that gives you that little spike of uh, endorphins or whatever. And, right. uh, and you, you get, you get a little bit more excited about uh, how, you, you know, how, how you're being uh, received. And then Absolutely. you, you, it validates you, you validates you a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. And particularly if you're an awkward, well, I would say if you're an awkward teenager, every teenager is awkward to some degree or another. Sure. Like, like there isn't such. I was I was a depressed teenager with a okay. little bit of loneliness and some you know yeah uh, some bullying at school and stuff like that. So, but oh, but also I think there is no such thing as a fully like a fully confident teenager is weird. Like it's there's something. What about that kid we met? At, for, well, she, no, she wasn't up the day you went there. We went down a couple of days later to Ferguson's. Uh-huh. A seven-year-old girl. I won't say her name because you know, but but there was a young lady there and um a young lady, a young kid. And her dad, I know her dad, he's a cool dude, he's like a DJ and he's part yeah. of the community. And this little seven-year-old, not only was just like a beautiful little child, she's got these lovely long hair and these piercing bright blue eyes. And like her mom is a rock and roll chick covered in tattoos and her dad is like a cool dude with tattoos. And they're very like cool and not hippie, but kind of like, hey man. Blah, cool blah, blah. parents, right? Absolutely. He was the guy DJing when we went to that club. Um, he was a guy who was DJing that night. Okay. So she's seven. And she DJs vinyl, not just vinyl, but 45-inch records. Okay. She plays, like, her favorite groups are, like, Prince and people like that. Yeah. And she's the most eloquent, wonderful little kid. And it was, and I was just like... Like, what? You, your life seems what did you more incubate? put yeah. together than mine is. <laughs> and that is immensely frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I was like... Mesmerized. I was like, if I have a daughter one day that is half as cool as you, I'm going to be so happy. Oh, look at me slapping the mic. I'm going to be so happy. Yeah. Um, 
But nowadays, kids grow up more and they're, they're told to grow up. They're forced to grow up. There's an element of that. Social media has made them. This is why yeah. you see 16-year-old girls on Instagram doing poses and things like that. But, the, but there's also... Well, actually, I've never seen that. That's a lie. But whatever. Young women, 18, 19, presenting themselves as older and but also lots the, of makeup there's and stuff. A, there, but also, there's an element of... Kids have a facility, like have a natural facility with like um, filming themselves and the internet and social media and stuff like but it's that. It's dangerous. But, but I don't want my fucking that, daughter putting that's sexy photos on her Instagram page, age 15, 16. But also, yeah, absolutely, like the sexy photo. But the fact that they're at ease in front of the camera and everything, I think that's just a product of they grew up. They grew up with it. Like that, that technology is normal to them. Yeah. In the same way that you know, when when I was a kid. My mum struggled to set the the video recorder, the VCR, and I was fine with it. You know, I think sure, sure, sure. it's just a generation shift of that. That's the new I mean, version you didn't of that. Have your dick in your we, hand when you were right. sorting out that. You weren't tapping the buttons to reprogram it with the tip of your. Well, I was at first, but like, I was a teenager. <laughs> you you kept know, catching like, it in yeah, the little. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, and it, then you got to wind it back. You know how it is. It gets oh, chewed up. Uh, but it's no, they they have an ease that feels adult because it's something that people who are adults seem to need practice to do like being a tv presenter or be like sure. there was we were watching this um it was like the kids version of one of those obstacle course shows that okay, they do yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. like wipeout or whatever it is american ninja or whatever ninja exactly Warrior, and it was the kid version of that okay and they were doing the little talking head things uh the little mini interviews they were the in shoutcasters like the, the newscast the, well, the cast not even, it was the contestants but they were doing the little talking head between the okay, rounds okay, cool. and the, and they were talking like seasoned, like they were media trained. Yeah. You know, they were just like, so we saw the course today. And when I saw the course today, I thought, oh, the stage three is going to be a challenge. But, you know, we gave it a go. And you're like, you're fucking seven. And, and one part of me was like, that's weirdly precocious. And you feel weirdly adult. Yeah. And why are kids so adult? And then the other part is like, oh, no, they just grow up with that as normal. So that's not an adult thing for them. It's not that they're weirdly adult. It's just this thing that we used to think of as being an adult thing isn't an adult thing sure. now. They're still kids. They're still childish. It's just that's a skill that they grew up with as a natural thing. One whereas in, whereas when we right. were older, only TV presenters who had... Trained at that. Who trained and had years of practice in front of a camera would be able to talk naturally in front of a camera like that. But that's normal to them because they grew up with cameras around them. And so like it, YouTube era. I mean, there's now... Yeah. Kids make their own content. They do their own shows. The, one half of that is great because it's nice to talk to youngsters who can express themselves or be eloquent. Yeah. And the other part of it, and this is maybe a bit of an old school regressive brain part of it, but I, having brought up someone else's child for many years, you go through this stage where it's very... It's fucked up. It's a fucked up way to look at the world. But as soon as you are protecting a child, which I yep. was as a stepfather, I a little part of my brain looks at every adult, male or female, and goes, are you a pedophile? Are you a pedophile? Are you a pedophile? There's a part of you that goes, you know, they hug your kid for too long. Or right. they pick up your kid and put them on their knee and stuff. You're like, all right, you're just being a dad or a mom, or are you like, wait, where's that hand go? You know what I mean? Like you, but you watch you everything. Had- and there's part of me that I don't, I want to see kids be mature and eloquent. Yeah, but I don't want them to appear like adults because I feel like that makes them targets for fucking perverts. Although if they're real pedophiles, then the more adult the kid is, the less interested they'd be. You say that, but look at fucking Michael Jackson, right? The part of right. part of the relationship was that they felt they could have adult connections with infants. 
or right. with children, with toddlers and small children. It was like, part of it was like, he thought he was a kid and the way he talked, he would talk about adult things, but with a child, like, but yeah, we're just two people who love each other. You know, we just uh, love him and he loves me and he's just a kid, but I'm a kid in my brain. And like, no, you're a fucking pedophile, bro. And like, you can't, when I hear a kid speaking eloquently, it's still part of my brain going, isn't that adorable? This little kid's playing at being an adult. Not, wow, this seven-year-old is really mature. And right. I feel like we have a connection. Do you know what I mean? You're but, going like, but also, I a think, fucking child, dude. But that is also a product of, again, the, the world we're in now where everything gets amplified. You then get this false impression that there are sex offenders around every corner. And- you know why? Because they're fucking are, dude. This is this this is why oh, pornography app. upsets me so much now. You know, uh, I talked about this with the last guest, Zan uh-huh. Corvus, right? So he's a porn actor, and we were talking about it. And um, I was like, why is ninety percent of what's available online now, especially on sites like Pornhub, which would be the first home for porn for most people, right? So much of it is incestuous and barely eighteen, and teenage girl gets fucked by teacher or. or you know, or stepmom, stepson. Mm-hmm. It's like it's incest and it's infantizing people. I don't like my girl to dress up as a schoolgirl. Uh-huh. That ain't that doesn't do it for me because you when she does with- it, I'm like, I don't want to feel like I'm fucking a kid. That's not a, an arousing thing for me. Did you ever gig with Trevor Crook back no. in the UK? Because he's got a lovely joke Tell me. about like a uh my yeah my girlfriend dressed up as a schoolgirl to surprise me. Uh, she thought she looked all uh, sexy. I. I just saw a slow learner. <laughs> I like that. That's nice. It's a great joke. That's but nice. Yeah, that again, again, that's never, that as a thing has never done it for me. But also, I never want to like kink shame anyone. You never know where their particular, like what has triggered that desire in someone. You know, mm. and also there is a wild difference between things in the fantasy world and things in the real world. You you're know, right, you, you're right. You could, like, for example, if you're both consenting adults and you want to try shit out, you want to dress up as an adult baby and be rocked to sleep well, whilst that, you suck on your girlfriend. Well, that's a perfect example because that, that community, and again, that's not a kink that's ever like triggered anything in my brain, but for the people who it is, they have to deal with the fact that people then associate that with sort of pedophilic thoughts. And they're like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. I have no sexual attraction to someone who is actually under 18 sure i have a sexual attraction to mature adults i just want my mature adult girlfriend to pretend like she's a fucking child but but they are very different things and there is i think to the best of my knowledge there is no documented correlation between people being into that sort Mm. of like little daddy whatever play and dd it's called ddlg right and dominant daddy little girl yeah or the or the gender flip version of that but like to the best of my knowledge there's no correlation to between people who like that and people who like the like actually like children in All fact right. it's the opposite Matt Kirshen likes his girlfriends call him daddy it's confirmed it's confirmed right. but again that doesn't that like role plays in it role plays never done it for me yeah like i i don't know i think i'm not i what think i'm not a good enough actor when i'm gonna play an audience member who is enjoying your stand-up performance so much that i have to touch my pussy whilst you do it be like well uh what what material was I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Which show was it? Yeah, it's uh, you know, would I get- you ever do that? Imagine if your lady or like you know, a partner over the course of your history, if someone had said to you, "I am so aroused when you're on stage performing. Like I love seeing how sexy and commanding you are on stage, uh-huh. and it really does it for me." Matt, I want you to just start doing material at the end of the bed, and I'm gonna lay on the bed and just play with myself. It for would a bit. take. 
it would would you write specific material for it <laughs> yeah like okay uh yeah let's do some crowd work let's yeah no, but you start fucking shitting on her because she's heckling i i would find that quite cringy but if i knew it really if that was the thing that really did it for her then i would get over that cringiness because yeah because i think you know if you're with someone who wants who's you do a type five yeah right if <laughs> but if you're with someone who like you're like this is what's going to get me off then you're like then i would eventually at least once i got over myself get off on the fact that that's what's getting her off okay yeah like yeah. you know recip- like the reciprocity of it like that would do it for me but fuck me i would find that embarrassing at first you know what i love about this we discovered that you're a giver a giver on stage a giver in this country a giver in Southwest Airline toilets <laughs> and a giver in the bedroom. It's where I get, yeah, it's where I find out that I get banned from the airline. I love it. Dear Mr. Kirshen. Dear Mr. Kirshen. It has come to our notice. We heard you reciting material in one of our toilets. Yeah. Unfortunately, audience members also left the toilet. But in 2008. 2008. Was that when it was? <laughs> I think it must have been. I was just trying to work out when it was that I was dating her. So it would have been... 11 years ago. It would have been somewhere... Yeah, it would have been... Yeah, about a decade ago. Nice. Back when airplanes were still a bit dangerous. <laughs> when- Do you know what I mean? At any moment, you could have just crashed and died. That'd be an embarrassing way to fucking die, wouldn't it? Being bounced around inside well, of an also, airline toilet. Before I had TSA pre-check as well, so you oh, know I hadn't been God. verified nightmare. in any way. Nightmare. Could have been any nightmare. You'd be kicked out. Monster. Dude, I'm very grateful that you gave your time today. I'm very grateful to come around. We had a great time in Vegas. It was uh, yeah, I'm yeah, glad it's... we got to spend another hour. Yeah, me too. It's been really lovely. And um, I do think uh, there's um, what I already already knew. I was already aware that you were a very funny comedian, a, a very skilled writer as well. That's I, I respect writers because Thanks, man. it's um, it takes a lot of self-applied willpower and patience to get yourself down and knuckle down and do that work. I don't know. For me, it's just that's what... Writing came far more naturally to me than performing. Clearly, because you're writing for, you know, one of the biggest shows, comedy shows that have been on TV, Arrested Development, and writing for one of the biggest stars here in America, Jim Jeffries. So that's, you've got to have hit a point. But like, it took me much longer to learn how to be on stage and not look like a mess. I'm just bigging you up, man. It's all right. You don't have to defend it. It's okay. I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) And you're you're very, very talented, but you're also incredibly talented on stage. I want everyone to come and see you. Please. Um, What's the the best way for people to keep in contact with you to find you? Well, the best way, I'm Matt Kirshen on... Everything. Everything. I think there's an underscore on Instagram, but I don't really do that much. But M-A-T-T-K-I-R-S-H-E-N. if you just T K I R S H E N. Yeah, if you just type English comedian Matt K I and bang the keyboard, Google will find me because it's a weird name. There you go. And then probably science is my podcast. Okay, nice. Where we go through the week in science news with comedians, and then probably sometimes science have... on everything. Spotify, it's on iTunes, all places. Google Play, SoundCloud, exactly. All that. And then yeah, if you and then sometimes we have real scientists on to talk about what we got wrong. Nice. So make sure you do that. Uh, probably science. Make sure you download the podcast, subscribe to it, hit that follow notification on all the platforms, uh, and also check them out. Matt Kirshen at Matt Kirshen on Instagram, Twitter, and all those good things. And for live dates, website best to do it, or just follow you on the social media. My website's sites. actually down right now, but yeah, I, I, t- I tweet I mean, out stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just check out Twitter. Thank you, bro. Appreciate Mate, you. You're thank an you. Legend. Thank you for Same coming mate. on. Uh, I wish you the greatest success, continued success, and thank you for joining me. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye.